Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Well, it is so great to be with you today. Uh, If you have a Bible, could you turn to the book of Jude, which is basically uh, go to the end near Revelation, but not quite to the end. It's just before Revelation. Um, I wonder what you think God thinks about you. I wonder what you think God thinks about you. Or let me even phrase it the similar question. I wonder what you think about you in an average day, in an average week. Because it's very possible, if you're anything like me, your answer to that question would be one thing. But the actual reality of what's going on in here can be alarmingly different. And here's the really scary thing. We can be completely unaware of it. We can sing the songs and we can talk about love for God. Amen. And we can talk about and aspire to love for our neighbour. Help me, please. But we seem to often, weirdly, forget about the great command to love our neighbour as ourselves. And there's a whole load of reasons why we recoil from that. Love of self can be a very negative thing. And the word love in English is clumsy in some ways. The Greeks had four words, you know. There's different things underneath that one word. But what can be so alarming is that we can be those who are unaware of so much stuff going on inside in our hearts and in our minds and in our bodies that is actually, in a sense, breaking the heart of God, who though you are broken and fallen and weak in many ways and sinful, He loves you and He's for you and He's given everything in His sending His one and only Son dying in your place, rising from the dead, promising an eternal future with Him. And yet we can be those who who don't agree with His love. I had this experience and I would have never thought of it. Only recently, I'm 44, in the last couple of years, in God's timing, God's actually brought some things up from my past. My past wasn't like awful, but it was a bit more broken than I'd actually consciously realised. And I just kind of frozen a lot of memories. And if you'd said, how was your upbringing, Tom? I would have honestly thought, yeah, it was pretty good. And God just said, yeah, now it's time to just be a little bit more honest. Not to blame, but, but to name. And one of the, the effects of it was actually becoming more sensitised to myself. I'd been in a kind of deep freeze, cowboy deep freeze, I'm tough, I'm fine. This kind of melting started to happen. And I started to find, even in the mornings, before I'd even get out of bed, I'd wake up and I'd feel, I was more aware than ever of this kind of anxiety in me. This sense of, you're behind. Anyone here ever wake up and before you've even got out of bed, you're feeling, I'm behind, I'm behind, I've got to get going, I haven't done enough, I'm not safe. And I had no idea that was in me, in my bones. This kind of voice, this shaming, guilt, fear-driven voice. Praise God, Jude 
And in fact, the whole of the Bible knows exactly what's going on. And someone else, the great doctor, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who wrote this book, Spiritual Depression, he was the assistant physician to the King of England. And he felt God call him out of that to become a pastor. And he wrote this extraordinary book, which is well worth buying if you've never read it. And he talks about what I'm saying. In the introduction, he says this. He says, yes, I suggest that the main trouble in this whole matter of spiritual depression is in a sense this, that we allow ourselves to talk to us instead of talking back to ourselves. Have you realised that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Shame, fear, guilt, anxiety. That's what he's talking about. He's saying it's this old self in you that is flying just beneath the radar so you don't notice it a lot of the time. Having a field day. I love God. I know he loves me. I don't really feel very loved. Yeah, I should do this, right? <sighs> yeah. Hmm. Okay, well. Friends, God wants to give you a biblical vision for building yourself up in your most holy faith. Jude says these words. The situation that Jude is talking to is a terrible church community. He says, the people amongst you are like waterless clouds. They are a nightmare. They're false teachers. It's a deeply discouraging church. And to these few souls in it, he says this, verse 20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. Let's say that phrase, keep yourselves in the love of God together. One, two, three. Keep yourselves in the love of God. It's almost like keeping yourself in the warm bath of his love when part of you is always trying to get you out and back into performance and back into kind of appease that voice. When your father's like, what are you doing? It's finished. It is finished. I've done it. You can relax. I am the Lord, not you. Hallelujah. Keep yourself in the love of God. Three things I want to talk about today. Super practical because it's 100 degrees outside and you're doing well to track with me. Okay, I'm going to be vulnerable with you. I'm going to make this really practical. How do I do it, Tom? How do I turn down that voice of the inner critic, the inner shame-bringing anxiety me that I have started to see as I've got older? And how do I increase an experience of his kindness? Three simple steps. Number one, we need to learn to talk to ourselves. Bear with me. We need to learn to talk to ourselves. Number two, with Jesus' words. And number three, in Jesus' way. Not just the words he says, but the, the flavour of our kind king. Okay, number one, you need to learn to talk to yourself. Now I know you think, isn't that the first sign of madness, Tom? <laughs> Talking to myself, you know. And if for some of you, it may be. But isn't it interesting that kids, without, we ever have, you know, most kids, they don't need to be told to do it. They just, as they grow up, they, they talk to themselves. And then they grow up and they're very mature. And they, they, they don't do that anymore. And then they get sad, <laughs> become adults. And everything's hard, you know? We need to learn to talk to ourselves. You see, Jude is saying here, build yourselves up, okay? Now, if you build someone up, let's not overthink it. What does that normally involve? Talking to them. Hey, I just want to say, great job. 
building yourself up. Now, there's a corporate dimension that Jude is talking about. But as I've already said, the church, if, if you're going to rely on others to build you up, then you could be waiting a while. Because most communities are very imperfect. And he's saying, I want you, O Christian, to take personal responsibility for doing that. Can I lovingly challenge us Americans? We're strong on personal responsibility and individualism in many areas apart from our spiritual life. I've had many people say to me, yeah, Tom, I go to church once every month. I come. And, you know, things aren't quite good enough, so I'm going to leave. I'm like, wait a sec. How much daily personal spiritual self-care and instruction and coming under the word do you do? You do? And many have looked at me blankly <laughs> because they haven't been taught it, they haven't had it modelled. And actually they're expecting this thing, this meeting, to do everything for them once or twice a month. So I want to lovingly say what we need to realise is that the Bible is filled one form or another with this sense of like you have and we have an incredible gift of God actually to build ourselves up so that we don't just listen to ourselves but we start to talk back to ourselves. You see, if you, if you just go into neutral with this, you're just going to have the rest of your life being talked to. You have to kind of fight the good fight of faith, brother and sister. You can't be passive. There's a sense in which we need to be those who go, yes, I know I'm broken and I'm sinful. So I'm not talking about self-love in an unhelpful way. But I am saying, I think my God loves me and I think he likes me. (laughs) And you may not have grown up with that. You know, many of us have, on our birthdays, we're celebrated. You're amazing, Tom. And then we go to church and we're reminded how awful we are. (laughs) You know, it's this sad really clumsy applying of the gospel it's really sad King David was a tough guy he killed bears with his hands it seems not even John Lanferman's done that I think he had a bow right John (laughs) this guy was tougher than you but he talked to himself if you were around the tent of David you'd be like what the heck what's he you you see read the Psalms he says he says in um, Psalm 52 62, he says, you, my soul, find rest in God. David was anxious. He's saying, soul, calm down. (laughs) You're safe, soul. Psalm 116, return to your rest, O my soul. Oh, he's anxious again. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul. Oh, he's getting entitled. Come on, bless the Lord. Don't forget all his benefits, David. Psalm 43, why are you so downcast, O my soul? He's depressed. If you were around the tent of David, you're like, what, who's he talking to? David, who are you talking to? No, no one, just myself. Just myself, I'm writing these little poems about myself and God. Friends, this is wonderful. If you, might, you, if you think I'm crazy, I would just give you one piece of homework this week. For 15 minutes, do your best to intentionally live your life and just be more conscious of what's going on in here in an average morning or afternoon. It will shock you how much comparison and fear and anxiety is happening all the time. Even now, some of you, as I'm saying this, uh, it's in you and you've never even seen it. And it's, it's just this relentless thing that comes. Can I say this? If you don't learn 
to love the things that God loves and hate the things that he hates, you won't grow. And he does actually really love you. And it doesn't mean that you're perfect. (laughs) You know that, right? He doesn't treat you as your sins deserve. It's the greatest news you could ever conceive. It's scandalous. It's almost offensive. It isn't you getting your just deserve. You're not getting your just deserve. You're getting what Jesus earned for you. And that isn't just forgiveness when you get to heaven. It is an experience, an ever-increasing experience, bit by bit by bit in your life, of taking the love of God and applying it into your bones. Because you would have all, all of us have grown up in imperfect families. All of us. To just make friends with that truth. No matter how great your parents were, they could not ultimately do enough to put into you a sense of that. Certain different experiences in your life will trigger you. Sometimes it's the morning for some of us. For some of us, it's the nighttime. For some of us, it's this time of year where we're exhausted and we're just getting, and we don't even realise we're going back into the old man, the old woman. Sometimes it's certain activities. Interestingly for me, teaching and preaching for lots of reasons from my past can be a real battle. Conferences, for me, can be a real battle. Comparison, church. It's amazing how different things. If your house isn't quite as you would like it compared with that other person, or your children are not quite as you would hope, or certain people who just frown when you meet them, just sort of look serious. And it's not even their fault, but for you that triggers something and you're like, the voice, they hate you. They hate you. She hates you. Look at her face. And she's just like, all right, or whatever. But for you, now if you're totally unaware of this, you know, this is, the love of God, this is a bold thing to say, but you, you'll get what I'm saying, is almost like in vain if you don't learn to take a bit of it every day and to do this and to actually make it your own. It's what David was doing. It's what Jude's saying. You must do it. It will bounce off you otherwise. I had this shocking experience about a year ago. My youngest daughter, Poppy, who was 10, she is beautiful. I would come in at 6.15 in the morning and she got up at 6. School starts early. By 6.15, she was dressed. Her bed was perfect. Everything was ready. But she was still like almost muttering and like, hi, Dad, we're all right. And I was like, hey, honey. Oh, how'd you sleep? Good dreams? I missed you. How are you, little one? And she was oh, whatever, yeah. just sort of like busy with her stuff. And I was like, honey, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's, you've got like an hour till we go. You're way ahead. I'm terrible in the morning. Well done. You look beautiful, by the way. High ponytail, loving it. <laughs> and she was just, and I was like, oh gosh, why can't she see herself like I see her? This is, this is like, hi, I love, she's so obviously gorgeous. And she's so ahead of, she's organised, not like me. I forget everything all the time. I lo- what a wonder she is. Now, I'm a broken man and my love for her, though, it's, just, it's not hard to love her. Here's the thing, I was thinking, why can't she live in that reality? What's wrong with her? 
And then I realised, I've been doing it for 42 years. Forty-two years. My God loves me way more than I love Poppy. (laughs) But unless I actually take a little bit of that and dare to believe it's true, personally true, do you understand? It's in vain. It just bounces off me. I have to learn to accept his acceptance of me. I have to. It's just crucial that I learn to do that in my soul and, you know, it would, have, it would have given me the greatest joy if I'd just come to her door and heard her just talking love over herself. A little bit of kindness to herself, a little patient. Well done, Poppy. Yes, you have done well today. Well done that you're up and your bed's neat. Well done, Poppy. You did a good outfit choice. You've got your pencils are all sharp. Well done, Poppy. Do you, do you realise how much that would have made me just want to spin with joy? Kindness over herself. Some of you are my age and you've got beards and big muscles and you're just still like Poppy. You're still living with a sense of you're not enough. You're not safe. You haven't allowed the kindness and the patience of your father quite yet to come for you. And I don't know all your names, but I would say your name. So now a practice, a new practice, you know, he talks here about praying in the spirit. And we we talk a lot about that, us to God. He also says, talk about building yourself up in your holy faith. It's like both directions. So I am learning now, don't laugh, to walk my dog beans at the end of the day. And I talk to myself in the woods and I say, well done, Tom. Well done, Tom, for even doing this. When I can't think of anything else to say. Well done, you turned your phone off for this walk and you've left it at home because that isn't helpful for you. And well done, Tom, for slowing down because for an anxious man like you, slowing is a sign of health. And well done, Tom, for digging deep today when you didn't want to work hard and you just kept going. I'm proud of you and I like you. I imagine what Jesus might say to me. Because it's very different what I say to myself. Second step is we, we say, we talk to ourselves, but with Jesus' words. And I've kind of hinted at this. This book, oh my friends, is the most precious physical thing that we could ever have in this world. One thing very specifically I've learned to do is to use what it tells me about God and to personalise it. Let me give an example. Psalm 139 is a classic. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. This is David talking to his father, talking to the Lord. This is how I would apply this in terms of building myself up in my, my, my most holy faith. Verse 1. Oh, Tom, he has searched you and he knows you. He searched you. It means he's interested in you. <laughs> you know, Tom, you always want others to be interested in you and you're perpetually offended and hurt because they never can quite fill that deep longing. Even your wife or your friends. 
Tom, he has searched you and he knows you. You know, he loves you and he, he likes the way that you do things. He's familiar with all of your ways. You know, the way that you do things, Tom. No one else knows. He knows. And he likes it. Just as you like your daughter's ways, he likes your ways. And he'll tell you when he doesn't. But he loves you. He's for you. He knows when you sit and when you rise, Tom. So what does that mean? It means that he's okay with me sitting. That's kind of like resting. So you mean, yeah, Tom, he's happy when you're resting. He's actually honoured when you feel safe to stop and to trust. He loves it when you sit and you're not efficient, as well as when you rise and attempt to be efficient. You're safe to sit, Tom. Your body is telling you you're not. The anxiety that creeps in. But he is safe. He's safe to be with. Man, this is marvellous news, amen? This is marvellous news. The amazing uh, prophetess, really, a lady in her 80s who's part of our global family of churches called Ginny Bergman. Some of you know her. Remarkably, she's prophesied with incredible accuracy about uh, big events, even like Princess Diana's death. She journaled about beforehand. And even the Twin Towers, she, she had a sense that something like that was going to happen. Incredible lady. The most humble, quiet lady you'll ever meet. John and Linda know her. And, uh, and yet she, in her book, she's just released, called Overcoming Nemo. Nemo is the Latin for nobody. And she grew up feeling like a nobody. And it was in her bones. And she knew the Lord, but she lived still under that inner voice, talking to her, talking to her, talking to her. And she hadn't realised it until it started to come up. And this is her story about, for example, even at church, she would experience this. She said, after church, she would feel this voice, but you need to leave. You're nobody. You don't belong in the church family. But then I thought, no, I'm going to stay for five minutes at the end. I'm not going to just rush out. And I sat in that pew and I timed myself exactly which time I had to listen to all the old rubbish in my head. You don't belong here. You're rubbish. You're nobody. But then I found myself talking back to that voice. But, but God has put me here. He's adopted me into his family. These are my brothers and my sisters. And he chose me before the foundation of the earth. And it was like I was having a conversation with this other part of myself that had ruled me all this time. And it was jolly hard work. As soon as five minutes was finished, I shot out of the building. Now, I did this for a number of weeks, but then I thought I was doing pretty well with five minutes, so I decided to do ten. What I didn't realise at this time was the immense importance of what I was doing. I was combating the lies that came from the enemy with God's truth. And as I did it, I began to walk free. The power of God's truth was at work in me to transform me by the renewing of my mind. Hallelujah. 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 
So we, we need to learn to talk to ourselves with God, with Jesus' words, and finally in Jesus' ways. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the light. There is a flavour of God, a flavour of Jesus, a feel that if you'd physically been around him, you would have got, as well as the stuff he said. It's true, isn't it? As, as humans, you feel the presence of peoples. We are, our souls are almost like permeable. They feel and absorb good and ill. That's why it says, you know, bad company corrupts good character. The single biggest thing that will shape how you live your life is the company that you keep. It's not just the words that you hear, it's what the people are like around you. And we need to be those who understand that, you know, we have these concepts, but they need to be embodied in people. So, for example, if I say you should be patient, right? Be patient with yourself. You go, okay, I'll try and do that. Patient, I get the basic idea. Now, if I was to say to you, imagine Kurt McCutcheon or Mike Lawson or someone you know who embodies patience. They model patience. They show you the way of Jesus, not just his words. You can almost, if you know these two guys or others that you know who are strong, hey Mike, in patience... It's just, it it helps you. Oh yeah, Jesus is a bit like these people. Patience isn't just this thing. It's, I need to see it in someone, right? That's why we're changed through heroes. The way we're hardwired, to see somebody. And that's why Paul says, imitate me. Imitate me. You are familiar with all of my ways. Not just what I say and preach, but who I am, how I react. That is what you need to imitate. This is massive, do you know how unfashionable imitation is nowadays, particularly for the younger generation? It, it, the Bible is more about imitation than innovation. Now, I live in San Francisco, which is like innovation capital. Everyone's got some new idea. And I, you know, I don't despise that. But the, way, the ancient way of Christ is learning to imitate people that you know in certain areas are stronger in those things. And they're reprogramming your body and your head and your mind. <gasps> so if I wake up in the morning and I'm anxious, I might think of a man or a woman who, who embodies patience. Because Christ is like them. Would they say that over me? Would they say, yes, you're behind. Quick, get going. No, 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 no. They'd be like, Tom, take a breath. You're safe. You're safe. See, this is why... Tragically, we are all hurt in life through relationships. But we are only healed through relationships. We tend to get hurt through relationships growing up or in our lives. And we can think, oh, I'm not going to trust again. But the way that Jesus wants you to become aware of who he is, is through his body. And many of the men and women who actually, in terms of what it's like to be around them, in their patience and in their kindness, they may never be up here. They're probably working other things and doing other things. Although they may be those up here. We we need to be those who understand that God wants us to be those who know his ways and are more and more, in a sense, discipled through flesh and blood people 
who have aspects of Christ's kindness and his patience that will help you more and more experience the love of God for yourself and to agree with the love of God for yourself. It doesn't mean that you don't see the things in you. The, the ironic thing is, the more you agree with his kindness for you, the more you're from actually free to admit your weaknesses because you don't need others to think highly of you. As you start to agree with it and say, Tom, you know, as I go for my walks with my dog or as I start to actually agree with his kindness over myself, what happens is this. Ooh, I start to feel full again. As I start to actually couple prayer with building myself up, I actually, I, I physically feel different. It's not just a spiritual, I physically feel strong again. If I'm feeling like, oh, my head, my, my, you know, I'm downcast. I might remember the time at the conference a few months ago when John Lamferman came up to me and he just grabbed me by the shoulders and said, Tom, I'm proud of you. A lesser man would have pulled out of San Francisco years ago. Well done. Keep going. I'm proud of you, son. And just walked off. Can you imagine how I felt? I was like, yes, I'm amazing. But actually, I need an older man to do that. I'm deadly serious, actually. I need humans to look me in the eye. I'm flesh and blood like anyone else. But I can't rely on that. But what I can do is build myself up in my most holy faith. When I feel anxious, I might remember Mike Lawson. If I'm feeling downcast, I might remember John Lanferman. We are applying the representatives of Christ into our beings. It's His grace to you. Hallelujah. They're all around you. These men and women who are embodied expressions of God's kindness to you. And what it means is, and with this I'll finish, it's incredible. You might think, oh, this is all rather narcissistic and self-absorbed. The ironic thing is, your soul needs love. It needs love. You are designed to have God's love given to you and to experience that and to agree with it. So you have this like internal feast going on in your life. God loves me and I actually quite like myself now. And I know I'm not perfect, but I know he loves me. And if he loves me, I need to agree with that. I can't help hate myself. That's actually offensive to him because he's into me. He's going to spend eternity with me. Hallelujah. I don't get it, but he is. He likes my nose. It's a bit bendy, but it's okay. He likes my nose. He likes my ears. He li- Seriously, it's not just spirit stuff. It's your body. We're going to be embodied beings with a resurrected Christ on a resurrected earth. Hallelujah. This is huge. If you've got teenage daughters, man. And listen, you need to get this into you because you can't give out what you don't receive. If you're a parent who's like, I love you, daughter. I love you, daughter. I hate myself, but I love you. They will absorb your self-hatred. I know that for a fact. So if you want to love others well, you need to learn to agree with God's kindness and love for you because they will absorb that which you give out and how you treat yourself will be actually what they really pick up on. It means you become able to apologise so much easier. If you're full, I was in the orthodontist this week, I was a little firm with the receptionist and it was a bit embarrassing. <laughs> I was like, no, it is your fault. And at one level, I was kind of proud of myself because I can be a doormat. And she was quite rude. And I was learning to kind of actually kind of, you know, be fair with myself. But I think I got it a little bit wrong. So later when I said to her, I do just want to say I'm sorry for my tone. And she went, thank you. I accept that. And that was fine. 
I, and Poppy saw the whole thing. We're going for her braces. And she saw me slightly get it wrong, trying to learn to be kind to myself, get a bit wrong, and, and then apologise. Because I'm not, I'm not needing Poppy to think that I'm perfect, or the receptionist. Because I'm learning. God loves me. And I quite like myself for the first time in my life. I'm not perfect, but I, but I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And he loves me. And, I'm, and I need to kind of build myself up in that place. And then I'm able to be, I wouldn't have survived the last three years of church planting in San Francisco. Thank you very much. I mean, it has been absolutely brutal. The amount of kind of minor levels betrayals that we have experienced in three years. And I'm no spring chicken, right? I've been around the block. I know pastoral stuff. And I'm like, this is brutal. But you know, I'm still standing and I feel okay. I'm more robust because of this truth. Friends, in closing, building yourself up in your most holy faith. Put another way, learning to be kind and patient and loving with yourself as your Father does. It is biblical and it will change your life. Hallelujah. Should we stand to our feet and let's sing to this Jesus who does not treat you as your sins deserve, can I have a hallelujah? Oh, that was poor. He does not treat you as your sins deserve. So you can agree with His kindness towards you, even if that leads you to repentance. It's in the safety of His kindness, not with an angry fist. Lord, we just, let's just pray. Lord, we just fix our eyes on You. And we say, Lord, would you help us to worship you now in spirit and in truth. And I just thank you that, Lord God, you know we're not perfect, but mystery upon mystery, you do love us. You're kind to us. And I just pray for just one more faith step in all of us to dare to believe the goodness of the gospel. Amen. Amen. Let's worship you.